Hello, my friends, and welcome to a very special episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I'm going solo this week. Well, it's it's midweek, beginning of the week, you're going to hear this. It's not a usual Sunday episode. But this is, as promised, my three-year keto anniversary Q&A episode. I, I put out a call for questions on Instagram. I thought I'd get a few, and then I'd have a lot of things of my own to ramble about. And I get a ton of questions, y'all. You have a lot of a lot of things you want to hear about. And I want to dive into those for you. So for those of you who are new to the podcast or don't know a lot about my journey, I have been uh, following a ketogenic lifestyle for three years. Uh, At my heaviest weight, I was 540 pounds. But three years ago in February of 2017, I was 470 pounds. And I'm currently now down, um, I, I say 205. I'm like 205, 210, depending on the day. Um, you know, the way weight can fluctuate, uh, based on mood and all of that jazz. Um, but I, I'm in a maintenance part of my journey now, the weight loss phase, quote unquote, um, is over. And so you had some questions about that. You've got questions about kind of what I've been through the past few years. And I'm just really excited to share this experience with you. Before we get into it, I do want to say that there is still time to register for the True Nutrition Group Coaching I'm going to be doing with Jonathan Shane, The Keto Road. That's right, Gourmet is putting his feet into the waters of coaching and starting to get, you know, reach out to you and share my experiences and what I feel are the skills, tips, tools, and tricks um, we all really need, you know, to have in our, our tool belts to help us be successful on our journeys. So we are doing a 12-week ketogenic-focused um, health, fitness, weight loss group. Um, it's a group coaching experience. Um, it costs you basically just the cost of a couple cups of coffee. But if you go to the ketoroad.com, and I will have the link to the direct program in the show notes, you can find out more about that. That starts on March 1st. So get yourself in that door. If you know someone who could benefit from a program like that, we're going to teach you how to set your macros and adjust them yourself and work through this process, not only of being successful at your weight loss goals, but reverse dieting and properly addressing maintenance and finding your why and so many exciting different exclusive pieces of content. I'm just really excited for us to bring this experience to y'all. So I'll end that little bit of commercial now and dive right into it. I've got five or six pages of questions here in front of me, so you'll hear some rustling paper, but we're going to dive right into it. So question number one, this is a really good one, because if you know my journey, you know that I went from 540 pounds to 210 pounds in 2013, and then very rapidly in less than six months, I regained 270 pounds. Um... It's hard to believe, but it is my reality. It's it's true. There's there's time-stamped pictures documenting it all. Um, so this first question says, what is the biggest difference mentally now and when you relapsed in 2013? And I think the biggest difference is just that I have a perspective mentally now. Uh, when I went through that first weight loss journey, I was focused on the scale. I was focused on numbers. I did not think at all about what it meant for me to change this big part of how I had identified and lived my life. And I think that made it easier for my addictions to come back and take hold again. This time around, I'm working on being more mindful of my approach to food. I'm working on being more mindful in how I I look at my body. And I I think about not just what were my weight loss goals, but what are my goals in life? Like I, I like to say that I went from just barely surviving to trying to thrive. And I think that has made a big, big difference. The next question 
wants me to make a, dis- a determination that I honestly don't think I can. Uh, the question is, who is your favorite keto influencer? I There's so many people, like, honestly, like, I don't think we have enough time for me to list them all. Like, influencer also is like a really weird word. But, you know, I draw motivation and inspiration from so many people, you know, Keto Savage, Danny and Maravega, uh, Keto Coach Lauren. But then even, you know, not just the accounts that, you know, are, have a ton of followers, but even like the, my friends that are, you know, coming up, you know, in their experiences and just starting to share their journeys. You know, Russell Buddy, the carnivore chef, um, you know, there's uh, my guys, you know, Keto Carnivore King, DJ Carnivore Keto, the Keto Road, Telecron, PRS player, um, Dale. Like there's just so many, so many people. I I honestly wish I could list all of you, um, and obviously I can't, so I'm not going to. Um, I like this question. Uh, so first it was uh, bucket list physical activities you have now that you can actually do things, which I think is a great point. You know, there's a lot that I can physically do now that I couldn't do before. And I think for me, my bucket list physical activities, uh, two things come to mind. One, uh, I used to love camping when I was a kid. And then I honestly just got too fat for it. It was too hard to get up off the ground. Um, all of the walking, it was it was too much. So I started telling people I hated nature. Like I, that became a big part of like, oh yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be in nature. I hate nature. Um, not even kidding. And I would really love to get back out. You know, do some hiking, do some actual camping. Um, I'd love to get into um, going hunting. Like I'd love to try to really like get uh, back to that kind of connection. I think that's something that a lot of us are missing these days. The second side of that. I want to travel overseas. I want to go to Ireland. I want to go um, to the UK. I, I, I would love to go to Disneyland Paris. Um, I, for many years, was too big for airplane bathrooms and too big for one seat. And international travel, when you can't get into the bathroom and you can't use the, you know, you have to pay for two seats is just uh, prohibitive. So now that that's something that I could do easier, that I could stay in smaller hotels and handle all the walking needed and do the touring. I would love to get to Europe later this year. We'll see if that will happen. Uh, that same person asked, would I want to run a Disney marathon with them in a year? This was Keto Apostle who asked this. I would love to do the Disney 5K, but my knees are destroyed from years of being so heavy. So I don't think running, um, especially that kind of distance, is ever in the cards for me. Um, but... I'm definitely open to that that 5K experience. I love Disney. Um, let's see. Uh, this question, getting to, getting to it early because this one cuts right to the core of a lot of things. Can you tell us about a time that you failed, what you learned from it, and what you would do differently? And I, I thought about this one a lot because I think, obviously, I have some spectacular failures. You know, loss and regain, loss and regain, rapid regain, Um all of those things. But I think for me, you know, I'd rather talk about something that's a bit smaller. And that's um, when I've, I've had moments where I've been overconfident about my relationship to certain foods. Uh, specifically, you know, I joke a lot that I'm addicted to nut butters, but I, I think they're a food that I have trouble controlling if I don't literally weigh out and control every gram. Like it's a food that I can very easily overeat and overeat to the point that it can cause me a problem. Um, so I have had some pretty spectacular moments where, 
you know, one tablespoon of nut butter has become half a jar of nut butter has become a full jar to the point that I actually had a weekend where I ate four jars of nut butter in two and a half days. Like, I think, you know, what I learned from it is our relationship with individual foods can be different. It's not just, you know, I crave carbs. It's not just I have trouble, you know, taking in too much fat. It's not a, a macronutrient thing. I honestly think that we can have individual issues with specific foods. And, you know, I talk with with my friend Miles Telecron a lot, you know, about he has similar feelings about nuts, like mixed nuts, salted, roasted, mixed nuts. And for me, I think nut butters and to some extent cheese are foods that I need to be wary of. And I think what I learned from my experiences with them is um, be cautious and be aware, but don't be afraid. You know, don't don't live in fear of a food, but live with a realistic perspective on it, I think, if that makes sense. Is there anything that you would change from your three-year journey, or was it all important to bring you to where you are now? Um, I think I live with the perspective that I can only control and change what I can control, and one of those things that I can't change is the past. So um, the past has happened. Do I at times have regret, and at times have those regrets weighed heavily on me? Of course. Um, but honestly, I think the past three years, there's literally nothing I would change. I think everything I've done the past three years has been really important to bringing me to where I am right now. Um, I had a long time follower asked if I think I will stay quote unfat forever this time. And am I certain that my mindset is fixed on living a healthy life? Um, it's funny because I think sometimes in the past when I've been asked similar questions, I, I hedge and hem and haw at this question. But I'm going to say it like I am. This is my life. This is who I am. Um, the the old Gormy is is not with us anymore. Like I'm I'm a different person because we grow and change through our experiences. And I'm committed to my life right now. I'm committed to taking care of myself, and I'm committed to living and thriving. So I will be I will be this person for the rest of my life. Here's a big one. What is the easiest way to explain keto? I I kind of want to be flip. I, I think I could give a really flip answer to this and just say uh, carbohydrate restriction. Because at the core, um, a ketogenic diet is about restricting carbohydrate intake. Um, I think as far as like an if you want a, an easy explanation of an eating plan, it's got to do with carbohydrate restriction, looking at your, your protein and fat macronutrient ratio, finding the level that works best for you, that your body responds to best, um, and and finding ways to live, live and thrive. Um, there's a million different programs out there. There's a million different structures out there. Um, I think for me, I define keto as um, low carb, um, mo- higher fat, moderate protein. Um, and but the thing is to each person, those numbers mean different, those words mean different things and translate to different numbers. So I think it's good to dig in, do some research and um, really find the right path for yourself when it comes to it. Um, Let's see. What's one thing that hasn't changed over the past three years? Um, It's simple and basic, but I think my why hasn't changed. My why was I wanted to live. And, um, that hasn't changed. That's still my why. Like it's not ever been about numbers or about anything specific along those lines. It's always been about wanting to make sure that I'm keeping myself alive. 
sorry, I needed a sip of coffee. Um, I, I just think my why as has new dimensions that get added to it because now it's not just about living, it's about thriving. But at the end of the day, my why is still the same. Let's see, what is this? Secrets to staying, what are your secrets to staying on track? Um, I, I was actually talking with some people about this this morning on Instagram. I honestly think my secrets to staying on track are dedication and consistency. It's never been a, my, my version of keto, what I've done has evolved over the years. And we'll actually talk about that in a little bit, but it's not that it's, it's not that keto was the tool that, that I used that has helped me be successful. It's that I stayed consistent in my approach to moving my body and what I put into my body. And that's a muscle. I honestly think that that consistency and dedication are muscles. So they can be weak when we first get started. And it can be hard. It can be really, really, really hard. You know, you can go two days at a time and do great and then have the third day stumble and pick yourself up again and do two days and stumble. And that's okay because you're going to get better with time. Those muscles get stronger. I'm three years into this. So it's different for me than it is for someone who's at day one. So just know that if you're feeling right now like it's hard for you to be consistent, don't worry because it will get better. It will. I promise you that. Uh, switching topics completely. What is your favorite cut of steak? I'm going to be really cliche. Uh, my favorite cut of steak is a nice fatty ribeye. Like it really is. I will say I have developed an appreciation um, for a very, you know, a nicely cooked um, filet, but my heart belongs to ribeye. Hmm. Okay. What's the next question? Um, this is an interesting one. Did I deal with thinking that people prefer, did, did you deal with thinking that people preferred you fat and that by changing yourself, you lost your identity? I think I've talked about this before, like on the, on this show, like I, I do think I spent decades, uh, putting myself out there as the happy fat guy, um, vehemently building that as my identity and to the point that it was something that was really ingrained in me um and changing felt unnatural and um i think my perspective now is that that was all a part of of reinforcing and building um barriers to protect uh, my addictions and my behaviors and i don't know if i ever thought that people preferred me fat but I do think that that's what they were used to. And I think there are times where people aren't used to the new me, whether it's in terms of how I speak up more now because I don't bury my emotions in food or um, that they just don't understand that. Like I, I talked about with the camping, there are things that I used to say all the time that I didn't like, that it wasn't that I didn't like them. It was that I couldn't do them. Like I just physically couldn't do them. So um, I think that is something that can come up. And I do, to an extent, feel like I've spent the past three years trying to figure out who, who Gourmet is. Like, who am I? What is, what is my identity? And if you wanted to pin me down to answer that question right now, I don't know if I could. But it's definitely something that I'm working on. How has your keto evolved over the past three years? And what are the best tweaks that you've made? I, I think my keto has definitely evolved over the past three years. When I started, I was dirty, lazy keto. Um, quote, you know, the quote-unquote definitions that are, are used by a lot of people. I was just counting net carbs. I was doing about 25 net carbs and then protein and fat. I just ate to satiation. I did that for as long as it worked for me. And um, 
then I realized I needed to make some changes because my weight was stalling and I was putting weight back on and my uh, food control behaviors were starting to get out of control again. And um, I found that by working with a coach, the Keto Road, Jonathan Shane, and doing some strict macro tracking, doing some strict calorie tracking, and then also switching from counting uh, total car. I'm so- sorry, <laughs> switching from counting net carbs to counting total carbs uh, made a big difference. It gave me, um, I think sometimes in- when we use restriction as a tool, it can help us learn things about ourselves and about our relationship with food and with our bodies. And for me, um, if I had to boil down one big tweak there that I think more people should do, I'm going to say that I, I'm firmly in the count total carbs, not net carbs camp. If uh, you're struggling, if it's something that you're you know, dealing with, like you've got a, a big weight loss journey ahead of you and you've got some big challenges, uh, because by counting total carbs versus net carbs, uh, it eliminates a lot of the BS, a lot of the BS, you know, foods and treats and things that we slip into ourselves because we can subtract 30 grams of fiber. So consider that. Consider that if you need to make some changes. Do you feel any deficiencies in your body because of the limits and restrictions of keto? I don't. Um, I, I think uh, the perspective of this question is is loaded, um, obviously, a little bit um, because they think that there's deficiencies and um, limits and restrictions. Like for me, um, and this is just my perspective after three years, I don't see a ketogenic lifestyle as a restrictive way of eating. I see it as an empowered way of eating to make better choices for my body. And I think the nutrients and minerals and everything that I, I, I have accessible to me through the foods that I eat are, are what my body needs. So I don't, um, hmm. this is a nice big question. How, uh, do you fight addictions and cravings? That's a big question. Like I, I think it's twofold. I, I honestly think um, if you're someone that struggles with food addiction and with, with raging food cravings, um, the ketogenic lifestyle, the ketogenic diet, and even putting in place some restrictions can be useful tools to help you um, gain the strength you need to do the mental work. Because there's a lot of mental mindset work, I think, that goes into dealing with those issues, much more so than necessarily you know nutrient profiles and things along those lines. I do think for me, um, there are real physical cravings for processed foods and and sugars and carbohydrates, and some people deal with those more than others, and eating keto um, for me definitely has allowed me to gain perspective on when my cravings are actually physical and when they're just mental mind games that my, you know, the the old gourmet is playing on me. Um, So I think... Finding a way of eating that gives you some sense of strength is really important, but also being willing to dig in and think about, you know, what is driving your cravings. Like one of the things I've realized lately is work stress ramps my cravings up. If I'm stressed out at work, uh, my cravings go through the roof, you know, for all kinds of foods. Uh, so I think it's important to, to take time to do the work and not be afraid to reach out for help. And whether that's a coach, a counselor, a psychiatrist, whoever best can help you work through it, I think that's really important when you're dealing with addiction and cravings. Like, if you're really thinking that you have an addiction, like getting some one-on-one help or getting some group help can be a really good thing. This person also asks, like, what are tips for letting your social circle know um, your new way of eating and helping, you know, kind of like adapt that situation? And I, I think it's one 
it's important to not isolate yourself, you know, completely. I think there are times where there are situations we want to take ourselves out of because we know we might not be able to handle them. But it's good to have those people that you can talk to about what you're doing and why you're doing it and help them to understand that there might be some things that you don't want to do or you don't want to be a part of anymore because you can't, like because you literally can't. But also, you know, as a full participant, you know, in those social activities, there can also be times where you can say, you know, we've gone here twice, you know, I'd like us to go somewhere that fits what I'm doing a little bit more. Can we try to kind of work that in? Um, it's all a personal perspective, and I know a lot of people feel really differently about that, but I say um, be open and honest. You don't necessarily have to share everything you're dealing with with people, depending on your level of relationship with them, but it is okay to say, I'm not doing that. It's not something I do, you know, whether that's with work friends or social life friends or your family. You know, it's okay to say, I don't do that. It's okay. You, it's okay to not have to say, I can't, but you can say, I don't. I choose not to. Empower yourself. I think that's really important. Um, how do you handle temptation? Uh, it's funny because I think how I handle temptation now is different than how I handle it at the beginning of my journey. At the beginning of my journey, I handled temptation in two ways. I avoided it and I, I put almost like laser-like precise controls over it. Um, I, you know, only allowed certain foods at certain times, that kind of thing. And now I, I don't want this to sound like stupid or like you're going to think, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But like I avoid temptation. I handle temptation because to me right now there really isn't temptation. Like, if I decide something is worth having, I can have it. There's no one who's going to slap my hand. There's no one who's going to poke me with a, with a stun gun. But I also know that I have to think about how is that food going to affect me? What are the consequences? What am I going to deal, be dealing with craving-wise? How is that going to affect, you know, weigh-ins? All of those things. Like, But really, at the end of the day, like food is about choices, not about cheating, not about treating. It's about making choices. And so if I'm at Disneyland and there's a Matterhorn macaroon, it's the only place in the world I can get it, I'm going to choose to have that. Was I tempted to have it? No, I made the choice to have it. So when I'm now at a work event and there's pizza, am I tempted? No, because if I wanted to, I could have it. But I, I know that I don't want to. I know how it'll make me feel. Like So I honestly think it's about you know mentally reframing our relationship to a lot of those things. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. I hope it does. Um, this question was plain to the point. What do you eat? Um, honestly, uh, what I would say is go to my Instagram, gourmet underscore goes underscore keto. That's the best place to see what I eat. You know, I post it all. Uh, I don't, you know, really hide what I'm eating. I'm pretty, pretty forthright with it. So go there. You can see it after I finish recording this podcast today, I'm going to be having, um, some bacon and eggs. So that's what I'm going to be eating today, you know, for breakfast at least. Did you ever feel like giving up, especially when you were stalled? Oh, yeah. Um, I think if you say you never felt like giving up, you're not telling the truth. I think there are various points in our journeys where we get frustrated, where things get hard, where it seems easier to quit than it does to keep fighting. Um, and it's the, the difference. And that's I honestly think like the difference is made. Like, you know, that switch has flipped for you when you're willing to push past those feelings, when you're willing to say, yeah, I do want to give up right now, but I'm not going to. 
And I, I think when you can get to that perspective for yourself, when you can realize that it's okay to feel that way, but it's not okay to let those feelings control you. So I had a ton of times I felt like giving up, but I didn't. I haven't. I'm still here and I'm still in this battle. Um, hope that makes some sense. What are the big challenges of maintenance? That's a good question. Um, I think the big challenges of maintenance for me are, are uh, exist on a couple different levels. One, uh, for uh, while working with my coach, you know, for that 14 months, I was weighing myself every day. So it's almost like you become addicted to weighing yourself every day. And um, it can be a great tool that you need at different points in your journey. But for me, I have had to work on being okay with now I weigh myself weekly and getting into that as a regular pattern and changing that um, and breaking out of that mindset of worrying every day about how what I'm doing could affect the scale. Like the, for me, the scale isn't the defining factor of my life anymore. And it was for a while. And I think that's okay. I do think it's okay at different points in our journey to put importance on the scale. But it's not about letting the scale be the only important thing that I think is really, really key. Other maintenance challenges, I think, are sitting down and thinking about what does maintenance really mean for me? You know, where, what is the, what is the weight range I'm comfortable in? What are my goals and what are my next goals? Like defining for yourself new things. Like for me, mastering maintenance is a goal. It really is. Like I, I, maintenance is not a magical situation that we enter into and it's easy. Um, I think the idea of maintaining weight loss is much more daunting and scary than actually losing the weight. I'm great at losing weight and great at gaining weight, but I've never been great at keeping that weight off. And so that is really the big challenge for me is learning how I can now live my life not being gourmet, the weight loss guy, but being gourmet, just gourmet, you know, just being the guy that this is my life. There's no more. There's no more, you know, ribbon to, to burst through. Um, I have to be okay with who I am every day and define what that is. And so I think for me, maintenance itself is the biggest challenge of maintenance, like figuring out what that means, what that means food choice wise. Do I, am I working on incorporating intuitive eating? All of those factors come into play. This question kind of rolls right off that one. You know, how did I know when it was time to reintroduce off-plan choices? Um, I, I think once, realistically, I think once I was in a mindset where I could see them as choices and not as treats and not as thrills, um, not as cheats, that's when I, I knew my mindset was in a better place to quote-unquote experiment and see because I, I was in a rational place where I could do something like I a couple of weeks ago. I had those slices of real pizza and I wasn't sure how I was going to react and how I was going to feel, but I was mindful of that. Um, I didn't eat an entire pizza. I wasn't set off on a three-day binge because I realized, okay, you're making this choice right now and your next choice will be different. And so I think once I realized that perspective, I knew that I mentally was ready you know, to do that. Physically, that, I think that's a whole other thing. Like, I on my advice is always avoid, you know, quote unquote cheats or treats, you know, for as long as you can when you're getting started. You know, you need to build some momentum, you need to build habits and patterns. So I I'm not saying I didn't, but when I when I was on my journey, like I knew there were times that I I made those choices, but I think it really is that mindset piece 
it, it affects how you can handle them. And um, you are the person that has to determine how it's going to affect you physically, I think, at the end of the day. Gorby, what's your next big goal? I kind of just went into that. My next big goal is mastering maintenance. Like, honestly, that's at the forefront of, of my mind right now, mastering maintenance. Um, are there any mental or emotional hurdles that you thought you had cleared, but you hadn't? Um, hmm. I, I, I think that had a lot to do with when I ended up getting, getting a coach involved with my experience because I thought I had gotten past, you know, letting the food addictions and those behaviors rule my life. And they were coming back to the forefront. And I think I needed to realize that they're not something that ever is cured or goes away. You just gain better perspective and control and you learn how to react to situations better. So I I would say that those are the mental emotional hurdles that I thought I had cleared but hadn't. Another big thing for me is I never defined myself as an emotional eater. And what I've learned through this journey is that I really was because I used to numb myself with food all the time. So now it's more that I have more emotions to deal with and I don't always necessarily deal with them the best way. Um, There's someone who's probably listening who will will probably be screaming at this point uh, when I say um, I've had to realize that like I... I tend to very easily get defensive and I tend to easily kind of throw walls up and, and throw things back at people. Um, and that's realizing that that's there and then actually working on it are, you know, two very different things. And, um, it is something I'm, I'm trying to work on. Like I want to get better at, um, but that's a strong kind of mental, emotional challenge for me that I still need to put a lot of work into. Gourmet, do you ever have nightmares that this is all just a dream and you're going to wake up heavy? No, this is my life, and it's a dream that I'm living. You know, I, I don't I don't worry that this isn't real because I know it is. Um, Gourmet, will you be keto forever? Um, I I that's that's how I feel right now. That's how I feel today. Um, living the ketogenic lifestyle is what has given me my life back. And are there times that I'll make choices that are quote unquote not keto? Of course, but it's my home base. It's my my safe place. And um, I, I think it's something that can be sustained for me forever. So, yeah, there we go. Uh, Gourmet, what was your worst plateau and what did you do? Well, I think my worst plateau on this journey was in the fall of 2018 when my weight was stalled and I started gaining back weight again. And what I did was I hired a coach. I got help. I realized that it was not something I could handle alone and I needed some support and I needed more accountability. And I was willing to humble myself and do that. And I think it's something that more people should be doing, honestly. Um, I, I think it's okay to admit that you need support and to reach out and find it. Um, what was the thing that finally clicked for you that made your success possible? It's simple and basic. And I've said it a hundred times, but I had given up on living. I, I had given up on life. I was willing to see death as a possibility. I had written a letter to my family that I kept by my bed that detailed, you know, basically saying, don't, don't feel sad. I lived a happy life, all of this bullshit. And to me, that was a sign that I had given up. And when I realized that I wanted to live and I wanted to fight to live, that was when that switch flipped for me. That was the big click. That was it. Like, I knew every day had to be a battle because I had that part of me that didn't care and I needed to fight 
and slay that part of me. And I think, I think I've done a good job of that. This next question someone asked, I think, is a joke, but I'm going to answer it seriously. So why Disneyland? Why not another amusement park like Great Adventure? Or uh, they named a couple that I honestly don't recognize. Um, because Disneyland and Disney World are the fattest friendly amusement parks in the world. The rides can handle bodies of most shapes and sizes. There's more to do. Uh, when you're a bigger person and you go to a regular quote-unquote amusement park, like a Six Flags or something like that, uh, most of the rides you can't get on. So why pay the money to get even get through the gates? So part of my love of the Disneyland parks had to do with the fact that they are so incredibly accessible to everyone. There's so many other reasons that I love them more than I like those other parks. Like I think their attention to detail, their cleanliness, their marketing, all of it um, is fantastic. But that's a big thing. And so I'm giving a serious answer to what was, of course, a silly question. Uh, Gourmet, what were your favorite podcasts when you were getting started? Like, what were your first, your favorite ones to listen to? Now, I will say it's it's funny because I often say that the books that got me started on my keto journey were uh, Jimmy Moore's Keto Clarity and Vinnie Tortorich's Fitness Confidential. And I got to say, it was also their podcasts. <laughs> it was their podcasts that were the some of the first ones I listened to. You know, Jimmy's original um, Living Low Carb Man and um, Vinny's Fitness Confidential podcast with Anna Vecino, like they're um, some great resources. Like they're, I think they, you know, they've been there for a long time. I think also there's other podcasts that have been a huge part of, of inspiring me and keeping me going. And that's like Ryan Mickler's Order of Man, um, Andy Frisella's MF CEO project that's now changed to Real AF, um, Matt Vincent's I'm So. Um, Keto for Normies, Keto Coach Lauren, um, so many people have have great um, podcasts out there and are doing some fantastic things, but they've all been a big part of my journey, you know, up to this point. And of course, right now, my favorite is the Fat Guy Forum, because you all listen to it, and I love you. Um, Gourmet, do you ever still feel big? Do you ever have days where you still feel big? Um, yes, of course. I, I have moments where, like... This past week is when I cut my goatee. For those of you who haven't seen or heard that yet, um, my I probably cut about five or six inches off of it. And I was a little worried the night before because I'm like, oh, how round does your face look? What is your face going to look like when you do this? Like, I, I still have those insecurities. I think what's important is to realize that all human beings deal with insecurity, and that's okay. And it's okay to have to work through that um, and find the solutions that work best for you. Um. My friend Ryan asked, when are you going to come do a triathlon with me? Hashtag team, we used to float. Well, I'm sure he's not kidding. Um, Ryan, I don't think I could ever keep up with you. It's amazing what you do. Uh, but team, we used to float is something I've talked about before in terms of, you know, when we were bigger, it's so much easier to swim and float. So for years as a bigger person, that's how I swam. And now when I get in a pool, I sink right to the bottom. I I have to take swim lessons, I think. I really don't know how to swim anymore. It's really weird. Um, okay, now we got a couple questions about workouts and exercise. So let's get into those. First, how do you motivate yourself to get up so early to work out? Um, it's simple. If I don't get up early to work out, I'm not going to work out. Um, later in the day, the gyms are insanely crazy. I don't like being there when it's like that. I know also at the end of my workday, which sometimes doesn't end till 11 or 12 o'clock at night, 
um, I don't have the energy to do it. So if I don't get up and do it early, and when this person says early, I'm at the gym you know, most times that I'm going at 4.30 in the morning. Um, it's peaceful. I can get my work done and I can get out of there. So find what works best for you. If afternoon workouts work great for you, if lunchtime workouts work great for you, it's okay. You don't have to be an early morning person. Do what works best for you. Uh, Gourmet, how did you learn your gym routine? How did you figure that out? Um, so, And they also asked, how did I start exercising? So I think there's two, two levels to this. This is two separate questions. First, when I started exercising, I was walking. And when I say walking, I don't mean like the walks I see a lot of people do where, you know, they're going two miles or they did a mile. I was literally walking from my apartment downstairs to the front stairs of my building, resting because I needed to rest on the stairs after just walking down the stairs. And then there's a phone pole across the street. I would walk to that telephone pole, lean up against it for a minute or two, and walk back to the steps and sit down and catch my breath. It all, grand total, probably took about five minutes. And that's all I could do. So I did it. And I did it again. And then I decided, oh, maybe I can go to the next phone pole. And so I went from pole, resting at pole one to walking to pole two, resting Walking back to pole one, resting, back to the steps and resting. And it built up and it built up. And the first time I went into the gym, when I thought maybe I could try to get on a treadmill, none of the treadmills worked. They were, I was too heavy for all of them. They would just stop. <laughs> That's a fun experience. Um, it would stop or it would try to move and slip and was pretty dangerous. So that kind of had me walk out the door. I've got pictures of me walking out the door the first day at the gym. Um, Eventually, though, I got stronger, I, I built more stamina, I started losing weight, um, and I decided it was time to go back in and, and try to do some, some lifting. And I'm luckily, I, I have a friend, my friend Chris, who is a trainer, and years ago put together a lifting program for me that really helped me learn the basics and kind of figure out what I needed to do. And that kind of built that kind of love of doing that work into me. And so I, I and a lot of when I went back to lifting, I went back to his basic program he had put together and adapted it because there were some machines I couldn't fit on and some some things that just you can't do at Planet Fitness and some things I just physically couldn't do. So when I couldn't do an exercise that was originally laid out for me, I Googled it and looked for adaptations and didn't give up and built, you know, what was my basics to begin with. When I started working with with my coach, I also did say to him, you know, because he offered to put together some workouts for me. So we talked about what I could do and what I couldn't do. And he helped put that together. But there's so many resources out there, whether you want to pay or you want to just Google, read books, educate yourself, use your local gym, use the resources there. You know, even if you don't want to, you're not using a trainer there, uh, there are, you know, there's staff that will help you make sure you're doing exercises properly and safely. So just make sure whatever you do decide to do, that you're being safe and realistic about your capabilities. Okay. Oh, here's a question I get a lot on Instagram. Uh, why do you have so many pictures of you when you were big? Um, this one I, I often get, the tag that comes at the end is, because I, I hated having pictures of myself taken. Well, there, there's, so there's, there's two levels to my answer. One, I had no shame. Um, I learned as a kid who was heavily bullied for being big that whether people liked me or not, I was still going to be who I was. So, 
you know, to some level it became twisted and wrong, but you know, I was, I was always positive about myself and didn't, was not afraid to have pictures taken, not afraid to take pictures of myself. And if you go back a couple of years on my Instagram account, that's what my Instagram account was. It was sharing my experiences as the happy fat guy of the, the gluttonous lifestyle I was living. I wasn't afraid to put it out there, you know, almost as like a, a thumbs in the face, um, of the haters. So I got all those pictures left still, you know, they're all on my phone roll. Um, so don't worry. There's, there's always another one coming for you guys. Um, okay. What's next? What's next? How did you start keto? Um, I'm going to say <laughs> I, I could talk about this for a long time, but I did an episode about why Gourmet went keto. So go back and look for that episode. It's, it's on this podcast. I go fully in depth into how I got started with keto and how my keto journey has evolved. Um, it really started for me. Uh, because I read Keto Clarity by Jimmy Moore and I read Fitness Confidential by Vinny Tortorich and they resonated with me and I thought this was something that I could do. So I did. Go listen to those, epi- th- those episodes, me talking about how I went keto and you'll get a more in-depth discussion of that. The next question has to do with what I've been doing for the month of February and that's I've done a carnivore challenge, a strict carnivore for the month of February. So what comes next after carnivore? I will be keto. I'll be going back reintroducing foods like avocado and cheese and um, vegetables and other things at various points and different choices. And um, I'll go back to living my meat-based keto lifestyle is the way I I guess I would describe it. Um, What is the best and worst parts of your journey? Um... I'm going to, I'm going to answer this on, you know, obviously all the physical changes are fantastic and all those things. And some of them are hard to deal with, you know, loose skin, that kind of stuff. But I think the best part of, of this journey has been all the connections I've built with all of you out there. Um, whether that's through Instagram, through Twitter, through the podcast, um, really just being able to share my journey and offer support to other people and hear back that you get something out of it, um, really is something I don't think I ever expected and, um, is more than I could have hoped for. The worst part of my journey is is also there. Um, the worst part is because I'm a very empathetic, empathetic. I'm a very empathic person. And I feel things deeply, and when I see people struggling and going through struggles that I know I went through, um, it's hard for me. When I see people dealing with weight regain and the shame of that, and trying to get themselves back on track like that. It's, it's really hard, and it's really why I want to get into that sphere of being able to help other people because it's somewhere that I have been. I've been through it. I've, gained, I've lost the weight. I've regained the weight. I've very publicly had people watch me expand like a balloon. Like I, I know what that feels like, and I want to be able to offer support to people who are, have gone through similar things. One other workout question. So here, what type of workouts do you do? Uh, well, five days a week, I lift. I do kind of a basic body part split that's primarily dumbbell-based. Um, and then I throw in some cardio there. My cardio is usually inclined treadmill walking or walking to and from the gym or walking around Providence. Um, Gourmet, do you have a goal weight? Um, yeah, I'm here. So I, this person must must have missed that part of my sharing my journey. Um Weight loss is, is really kind of over for me for right now. Uh, I'm happy where I am. Um, did you ever go off keto during your three-year journey? I did, and I don't think I've really talked about this like as much um, as I think I have. Uh, but in the summer of 2017, so I started my keto journey February of 2017. Uh, it was like July of 2017. I went off for a solid month. Like I went off hard. 
Um, I had, I don't, honestly, I don't even remember why I made the decision to do it, but I just gave up for a solid month and I gained 40 pounds back in a month. And luckily I realized that the, the roller coaster train was out of control and needed the brakes put on. And I put the brakes on and I got back to it and I got back onto that path of, of saving my life. And that's the only time in my life ever that I've gone off a diet and got it back under control. The only time ever, um, without it taking years. So I'm actually really kind of proud of that. So that, that's an awesome thing to me. We are now on to the last page of questions, my friend. Um, how do you stop overeating and start listening to your body's hunger? Oh, wow. Um, I feel like this is something we could talk about for hours. Um, I think what it comes from for me is finding the right eating plan that I can sustain and being consistent with it. And by consistently nourishing my body, giving my body enough fuel, you start to realize what actual hunger feels like and what emotional hunger is. And you start to understand that there are times where you just want to eat more and there are times where you need to eat more. Um, and I, 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 it's almost metaphysical in some ways, but you know, how do you stop overeating it's, I think there's a different answer to that question for every person. I think at times it comes from putting artificial restriction on yourself. And at times it comes from deepening your relationship to your body and to food and eliminating the things that are going to trigger you and nourishing your body with the foods that, you know, um, you know, give you more strength. Um, so I know that that's not a perfect answer, but I hope it, it gives some insight into that for me. What is your favorite keto meal? Hmm. This one I, I had to think about. Um, I, I'm going to go in two different directions. One, one of my favorite keto meals is a skillet pizza. It's just a cheese crust and a skillet with toppings, whatever you want them to be added, and you cook it, and it crisps up like the best part of a pizza, the crispy cheese on top. Um, I just really love that because it's simple and easy but really kind of satisfies. Um, I also think for me, another favorite keto meal is Brussels sprouts roasted with bacon with some good eggs on top, some sunny side up eggs on top. So you break that yolk and you end up kind of with this rich, creamy sauce uh, with those crispy Brussels with the little crispy bacon pieces. Um, there, there's nothing better. Like there really isn't anything better. Gourmet, what is one habit that has kept you on track for three years? It's funny because I, I think of a lot of answers to this question, but I want to stay true to the, the spirit of the question and give one answer. So what is that one habit that has kept me on track every day on, on for three years? And that's every night going to bed and saying, I'm going to do this again tomorrow and getting up in the morning and saying, I'm going to do this today and focusing on that 24 hours, giving up on trying to control things that I can't control, and just looking at the 24 hours of choices ahead of me. I think building that habit and perspective has made the difference on my journey. So when it feels like I have a rough week, stop thinking about it as a rough week and start thinking about it as a rough 24 hours ahead. Because if you can get through 24 hours, you can get through another 24 hours. So I think that, that mental shift has been a big habit uh, for me that has been really kind of great. This question was interesting. Observations from day one to day 1,095 from people around you at the gym. 
Um, and I wasn't sure if this person meant what are my observations about the people at the gym or what are their observations about me. Um, I have had some fun experiences where people who've been at the gym during my journey have come up and asked like what I've done. I, I had a, a gentleman recently who moved away for a year and came back and was like, dude, what happened? Like, how did you change? What have you done? I also had a new person working the desk at the gym finally one day um, ask if it really was me because the picture on the Planet Fitness screen was me from three years ago. And he thought I was someone else using the card at first. And so then that led to a great discussion about keto and my weight loss journey. And we, we had a good time talking about that. Um, on the other side of that, my observations about people at the gym is I see a lot of the same people there every day, you know, the same people. And, you know, I'm not inside their heads. I don't know what's going on for them. I don't know if they even have goals to physically change their bodies or not. But I know that I see people putting in some hard work at the gym whose, whose bodies look the same as they were three years ago um, in terms of their weight and, and those kind of issues and their struggle seems the same. And I have to think, you know, is this judgmental of me or not? Like, I have to think that they're one of those people that's stuck in that place of exercise at all that matters when it comes to our fitness and weight loss journeys and that they're, they're missing something on the food side. Um, so that was just something that struck me when I thought about that question that, you know, we do have to realize that um, whether you see it as an equal relationship or food more important or gym more important, like all things have to be in line for you to really reach uh, your goals when it comes to this weight loss journey. Gourmet, what was your all-time favorite pre-keto food versus now? Um, hmm. My all-time favorite pre-keto food is is not even that exciting, to be honest with you. But I'm going to say it, it's Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. It's a fresh Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. That is probably my all-time favorite pre-keto food. I used to eat those. I, in some levels, I feel like almost 50% of the food I ate was Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. You know, I would buy the bag of the snack size ones, buy them four at a time. Um, when Easter came around, the Reese's eggs were my favorite thing. Halloween, Christmas trees, they, they have them for every holiday now. Um, literally, Reese's products are probably my favorite pre-keto food. Um, my favorite food now? Hmm. My favorite food now is probably um, a, a well-prepared steak, you know, whatever the cut is, but a well-prepared steak, a nice a nice uh, medium-rare ribeye with a good hard sear on it. You can't beat that. I don't think you can really beat that at the end of the day. Throw some throw some good butter and some, some salt on top. Uh, someone asked, what's up with you using CBD oil? Uh, I will say, you know, and they said no judgment. They just were curious. Um... CBD literally has nothing to do with my weight loss journey. Uh, I use CBD because I have a, a lot of chronic pains and issues along those lines and was taking a lot of um, Advil and Tylenol and Aleve and all of those things. And I have eliminated them by using um, CBD and also obviously through my weight loss and physical activity. But it's something that helps me with pain management. Uh, it helps me relax when I'm sleeping. Um, CBD oil is not THC. It's a different thing. Um, but I would say look into that for yourself. But I'm a big fan of of Santa Cruz Medicinals. Um, have you ever had your blood work done during your journey? And what are your numbers like? Um, uh, it's funny because when I get this question, I wonder, you know, are, do people have like a motive when they're when they're asking or are they just curious? But 
Um, I have had my blood work done several times over the past two years. Uh, my numbers are all great. Um, cholesterol, blood pressure, minerals, um, levels, all of those things, A1C. Um, the only thing that, that is challenging for me has nothing to do with um, being keto, and that's uh, my testosterone level uh, because of being so overweight for so long and especially being massively overweight during developmental periods, that affects the body hormonally. So my testosterone levels are coming up, but my free testosterone, which is the most important, is still lagging. So I, I'm in talks with my doctor. When we do the next round of testing, um, he's ready to refer me to a hormone clinic and see if that's something that I need to pursue. But as far as everything else goes, my numbers are great in line, and my doctors are fully on board with me being keto. Uh, they love what I'm doing. We're coming to the end of this episode, so I hope you've enjoyed this or you've tolerated hearing my voice for so long. This is our, our the last question of the day, um, and I think it was an important one to save for the last. Um, what is one thing that you thought would happen during these past three years and one thing that happened that you did not expect? Well, I think the thing that I thought would happen is that I would lose the weight. I, I never had a doubt. When I started day one, I knew I was going to hit my goals. I knew I would get there. So I knew it was going to happen. You know, I, I'm not cocky about that. I'm not trying to be overconfident, but I, I knew that I could lose the weight. Um, I just knew that I was choosing not to. So that's something that happened that I expected. What is one thing that has happened that I did not expect? And that's that so many of you are interested in hearing about little old me. Um, and enjoy when I share the good, the bad, and ugly, the ugly of my story, whether that's on Instagram or here through the Fat Guy Forum. Just the fact that the Fat Guy Forum exists is an unexpected delight to me. The fact that um, I, I had an idea and it's become a reality, I just think that's truly awesome. And to know that so many of you are listening every week and sharing your feedback with me and sharing what you get out of it and then asking if you can come on the show and all of those things um, – I've still got a backlog of, of people to get on here. You know, there's more, much, much more to come. And so really, you know, what do I expect for them the next three years? Um, I expect to keep sharing with y'all and I expect to still be successful. And I expect to share the stories of even more fantastic fat guys on this podcast. And as for the unexpected, I guess we will see when I get there, my friends. We will see when I get there. And that is all I have for you, really, in this very special three-year keto anniversary episode of the Fat Guy Forum. I hope you found something interesting, and maybe it raised some questions for you. And if it did, reach out and connect with me on Instagram at gourmet underscore goes underscore keto. Drop the show an email at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. You can even find me on Twitter at gourmetgoesketo. Um, you know, I just, I just want to say thank you to everyone out there who asked questions and is listening, and I just really appreciate you truly being a part of this journey. If you have enjoyed this episode or any other episodes, please jump on the iTunes and give us a rating. Give us some stars and write a rating, or you can go on Podbean and rate us on Podbean. Um, whatever whatever tool you're using to listen, if there's a way for you to rate us, that would be awesome because it gets us in front of more people. And don't forget, you have until March 1st to register for that True Nutrition Group Coaching. I'm really, really, really excited uh, to get involved with y'all for that 12-week program. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And um, John, the Keto Road, has said one of his goals is just to offer people a chance to change their lives. And and I honestly believe that that's what that program will do. So check that link in the show notes. 
check out the program. Let me know if you have any questions. We would love to have you be a part of it. And hey, my friends, don't forget to do something today to amaze yourself because as always, you, above all, are the most amazing people I know.